Hallöchen and welcome to your favorite podcast, Air Castles, where me, Joanna, and my friend, Olivia, are talking about random topics around the world, random cultural topics, and trying to understand them one step at a time and get into more topics each episode. What do you mean by random? You know, we're very selective and intentional <laughs> with the topics that we choose. I don't know what you're talking yeah, we have about. Very, random. Very strict frame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, how are, how are you today, Joanna? Oh, I'm good. Thank you for asking. You're how about so you? You're welcome. I, uh, I'm running on about like five hours of sleep. Um, which might be a what? lot to some, but that's, I, I'm definitely an eight hours of sleep a night kind of girl. So, uh, we're struggling a little bit, not going to lie, but in like a good way. Like, I'm more energetic than I should be, but at the same time, my eyes could close at any moment. <laughs> I feel like that comes along with having so little sleep that you feel more energized yeah. than usually. No, for sure. We've been, oh, uh, wow. we were watching through the Harry Potter movies, me and my friends, and um, mm, we just dangerous. went through both uh, the seventh movies, part one and part two. Mm. Uh, so we watched both of them last night until like 2 a.m. It was fun. By the way, fun fact, fun fact for our listeners. Um, so we usually record on Sundays and it's always because, you know, Olivia's in the States and I'm in Europe right now. So it's usually like 8 a.m. for her and 4 p.m. my time, which is quite a big difference. Yeah. To be fair, it's more like 9 a.m. It's been pretty rare that I've said, oh, yeah, we'll just record at 8 (laughs) a.m. It it has happened, but normally it's like 9 or 10 for me, a bit more reasonable. Don't want to. But still the morning. Yes, it's true. And even when I was in Japan, I would always get up in the morning um when it was nighttime for my friends back in the states or my family or whoever it just seemed like it worked out best that way um that was always so interesting because oh yeah that's kind of funny because it's the same in europe you're right because i think you have the same distance around like you know in either direction because japan is to your left technically and europe is to your right for me it was funny because when i was in japan there was always this time of day which was about what was it i think it was like 4 p.m. for me, when people at home started to get up, I think because there's an eight hour difference, mm-hmm. seven to eight hours, depending on whether it's summertime or not. And so it was always like at like 4 p.m., all of my messages started flooding in. And then in the morning also, I would get a lot of messages or wake up to a lot of messages. So there were all, always like those two times, like when I wake up, I receive all the messages they sent in their evening in Europe. And otherwise... Like at 4 p.m. Japanese time. Yeah. No, for for us, it was because there's about a 14 hour time difference between Japan and and, uh, and the U.S., at least from central time or eastern time, one of those two. Um, so it, it was quite a hefty amount, but it actually turned out to be better than I thought. Because um, I don't know. Yeah. As long as it was in the morning for me and evening for the other people, it was fine. But <laughs> anyway... Uh, Joanna, what's our theme for today? Our theme t- for today was picked by Olivia, and I'm really excited about it. It's overachievers, whatever that may mean to both of us. And I'm actually really excited because I told Olivia about it yesterday. But I think this is the podcast episode where I put in the most time in terms of research. Like, 
I'm now so informed about my topic for today, and I'm really excited to talk about it. And you you usually do a lot of research, so I'm going to have to keep an eye on you time-wise here, Missy. <laughs> but this is, the, this is the first time you haven't told me what your topic is, so now I, I get the mystery mm. and the anticipation, <laughs> you know. I mentioned a key word, but that's it. Okay. I'm excited. I have a feeling we didn't tell each other what our topics were for today, but I have a no. feeling it, <laughs> overachievers is pretty broad. I have a feeling we did not do the same thing at all. <laughs> I don't think so. No. So I, I t- told Olivia, 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 I told Olivia beforehand that my topic was focusing on education systems. Um, oh, you did tell and me And so that, what I'm going to... I did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't specify, but it is already quite a bit specific anyway so what i'm talking about today is um i looked into the different like top education systems around the world um in terms of yeah just studying and education in general and it was so interesting and what i i thought was so funny i always and that really isn't intentional i always end up in asia like in the (laughs) east asian countries like once again i was in japan korea and china and i was like i'm not doing this on purpose but once again these are like the only main main countries like that were mentioned there (laughs) besides european countries yeah i was gonna say what about finland we know yeah we know Mm -hmm. finland's big because that's also on the list so um yeah, so getting into it. So the top systems that usually were mentioned um, for education systems were Finland, South Korea, Japan, and China. Um, and I don't know if you know the PISA study. Um, it's a standardized um, exam, I guess, or test, which people around the world take. I'm not sure whether I took it. I think we had it in school. It's every... Yeah, I think we did take it. It's every, like, couple of years like the last um statistic on the pisa um test i got was from 2018 and it's basically um it tests the three um categories of reading mathematics and science and i looked up the scores because i mean there's not really a common like there are multiple rankings for which is the best education system in general around the world so i looked into the pisa study in terms of which countries performed the best, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, like which countries have the best outcome um, on average. And on top of the list was pretty much always China, like not pretty much always, but China was always in first place. And usually it was like Hong Kong, China, Macau, China. Um, wow. I don't know what else, but like all the different, like so many Chinese countries or states or, you know, like... Right. Um, independent areas so China is really good and so for reading for example the ranking is or not even for reading like for reading mathematics and uh, science the top three ranking is always the same and it's always China in the first place Singapore in the second place and third place is Macau which is also which also belongs to China right so that's really impressive um some other things like japan and south korea and finland were also always very high in the ranks of those rankings um finland was not that good at maths they were still like at an extremely good place and spot in the ranking but still they were like they were a bit more far off than the other countries Mm. and reading was a bit off in japan like the rank was a bit off in japan and korea has pretty much always 
had a high rank. I mean, still like in uh, maths in Finland and reading in Japan was also a high rank, but not like the top rank, one of the top ranks. Um, so yeah, so then I kind of had to decide which countries to focus on. Um, because once again, like mentioned, like the main countries were Finland, South Korea, Japan and China. There are a couple other countries I'm going to mention afterwards, but I decided to draw a contrast between two countries because all of the Asian countries are quite similar from the system. Um, and Finland is completely different, which I'm going to get into afterwards. Um, so I, out of all of the Asian countries that were mentioned, I found the most research or I found a really good website about South Korea. Um, and I think there were a couple of really, really interesting extreme facts about South Korea, which I found out, which is why I'm going to explain to you today about mainly South Korea and then like draw the connections between Japan and China and how it differs there. Mm -hmm. But South Korea, as far as I um, learned about it, is also the most extreme out of all of these. China might be a bit better in like the, the rankings in the PISA rankings, for example, um, but South Korea has like the most extreme method of studying. Okay. Um, and yeah, so usually Japan is even, despite China being top of the PISA tests, um, usually the ranking in terms of like best educational systems, um, I looked up another source was first is Finland, then there's Japan and then there's South Korea. So usually when you really rank the whole system, Japan is um, in second place and South Korea is in third, but it, it switches a lot. Like depending on the year, because I heard, I think I read somewhere that Finland is not going to be on top of the list anymore um, because it's losing to the Asian countries. Oh, I see. Um, but I think that was just a prediction I read. Okay, so starting with Korea, I kind of started, I, I, <laughs> I kind of copied you in a sense of like <laughs> the whole storytelling thing. Ooh. So I kind of prepared a small story, a small imaginary journey to okay. South Korea. I'll close my eyes. I'll picture it in my brain. <laughs> Do it. Um, okay, so you grew up in Korea. 100% of the population is literate and it is very prestigious to be good at school. You get lots of respect performing well and it is a culture of working hard to reach one's goal. People here care a lot about diligence and the view upon studying is that you may be unhappy now with the workload you have, but it is all for your long-term happiness when you get a good degree. You are studying hard right now in order to create a good future for, yourselves, for yourself. You also learn a lot about Korean culture and social development at school, which is one of the reasons why you and your classmates also clean the school yourselves to learn to value the school and to be independent. When you are in primary school, school starts around 8 a.m. and you stay at school until around 1 p.m. In middle school and high school, this changes and you stay until around 4.30 p.m. on average. However, since you're living in an exam culture and there are many very hard exams you have to study for all year round, you attend Hagwon which is an after-school academy every day after regular school. You go there at around 5 p.m. and stay there and study until around 8 to 10 p.m. in the evening. Oh, no. And you have already done that since you were in primary school. 
you have to pay for these after-school academies. And some schools even make it mandatory for students to attend Hagwon. Altogether, this means that you spend most of your days at school for around 10 to six, uh, sorry, for around 12 to 16 hours a day at school. Yes. <laughs> when, you are at, uh, when you are at school in Korea, there's a lot of pressure, not only from parents, but also from fellow students, since the whole culture is to be competitive. In the last 10 years, a lot of ch has changed, though. Corporal punishment was banned only in 2011, and in 2012, classes on weekends have been banned, even though some schools still do it. So for all the non-native English speakers, corporal punishment is, for example, you know, your teacher... Um, <laughs> wait... Just basically your teacher beating you up. That's yeah. corporal punishment. One, uh, one common example, like a light example, would be hitting your hand with an eraser or hitting your head with, or yeah. not an eraser, a ruler, right? Like a ruler stick or something. Yeah. That's what you'll see a lot on TV and stuff. And that was only officially banned in 2011, which is not that long ago. No. Moving on. So you aspire to be best in class. And if you don't get a degree of, in university, you're considered as a second-class citizen. This, however, also brings the problem of the whole country being overeducated and overqualified for jobs. You're in high school right now and mainly study by yourself. The average class size is quite big with 33 students, but group work or discussions are very rare in the classroom. You try to get good grades. In some subjects, however, this is very difficult since grades are relative and you get compared to your fellow classmates. This means that in some subjects, teachers have a set amount of A's, B's or C's, etc. to give out. And no matter how good you are, to get an A, you need to be even better than your classmates. The same system is applicable for university. You never skip school and study hard all year round for the big exams at the end of each school type. The most important one out of all the exams, it's literally the most important exam in your life, are the CSATs or CSATs. They're also called Sunong. I hope I pronounced it correct. That sounds Korean, Korean to me. Sunong, <laughs> um, which are the university entrance, entrance exams. You have been studying it studying for it for an extremely long time and now november november is here the day where high school graduates from the from all over the country take the eight hour exam has finally come today on the day of the exam um, uh, all businesses open later so that there are no traffic jams and no students are able uh, and, and so that there are no traffic jams and students are able to get to the test on time. Public transportation runs even more frequently than normal. Even air traffic is cleared to guarantee complete silence and focus for the students. Just think about it. Like they even don't allow airplanes to fly for the students to really concentrate on that. The whole pressure is on this one exam to get into university. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not you kidding you. You can't fly planes during this yes. test? 
it's it's literally it's it's so like basically your whole life just builds up to this exam basically so just as like and that's oh my gosh and that's not even all of it um this is the most important test in your life and you're stuck in traffic right now and fear being late Therefore, you get escorted by the South Korean police to get to the test in time, which wow. isn't that unusual on a day like this, wow. on a test day. Mm. After eight hours of answering multiple choice questions on your five-part exam, you're finally done. You get a really good score and get into your university of choice. Nice. Now the stress and competition dies down a bit. The university doesn't want to fail its students and even lets you retake quizzes that weren't that good and you only and only your best mark counts. So the stress really dies down once you're in university, at least a bit. You're very lucky in the position you're in because it all could have ended very differently since Korea has the highest rate of suicides among teenagers and the one, number one reason for that is academic distress. Crazy, right? Oh my god. In the world? Yeah. Oh, so man. it was it was really hard because I specifically afterwards looked up um, suicide rates. Wow, it was so hard to look into. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find because I only I read that in one source that it has the highest number. I couldn't find it in any other like I couldn't find the um, the ranking which they were referring to um, in the end I looked it up a bit and just in general I couldn't um, like like I said um, I couldn't find the ranking they mentioned right but it's in, in general incredible how high the suicide rate is in South Korea yeah and Japan too I know I know for a fact that yeah. Japan's youth suicide rate especially is quite high I'm gonna get into that a bit um, later okay. as well. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's really intense. And then I also looked up China and Japan as they were the other um, two um, frequently mentioned countries for good education systems. Right. So I looked up the main differences in China and Japan to like add to the South Korean story. So in China, um, there's also like this very strict way of teaching and there's not that much place for creativity. And first of all, like the type, like the quality of education differs a lot between cities in China and rural areas. Um, because in like, if you're more in the countryside, schools are oftentimes understaffed and not as developed as in big cities. So that also plays a big role. And in China, it is also a, like they also have the university entrance exam, which is really extremely important. Once again, like the most important test you're ever going to take in your life. Um, and it's called Gaokao. Um, and once again, <laughs> I'm not promising that I pronounced that right. And it takes two to three days and a total of nine hours. Oh, but in China, what I read was really... Um, kind of also a lot of pressure or like one of the main reasons for the pressure is there are not that many spots in university in China, in universities in China. Hmm. So it's highly competitive to even 
get a spot in general at university, which is why this exam is so important. And on average, only 40% of the students pass the exam. Wow. And additional to that, the tuition fees in China are also extremely high. So yeah, also like very competitive. And in Japan, the situation once again, also really similar to Korea. Um, and one other thing I read about Japan is that the pressure of exams can even start at the age of one for some students, because for some daycares and kindergartens, you have an entrance exam where you have to identify shapes and colors, which is crazy. Really? Yes. I, I had no idea. That is news to me, man. Mm. I mean, just in some daycare centers but like if you're living in an area where the spots are quite rare you like to get a spot at a daycare right they do entrance exams entrance exams they clearly Um, like their entrance exams they really do and in japan also first of all um also as in korea they clean the schools themselves and it's in japan also very important to educate people as a whole like you also get taught morals and ethics in japan And in Korea and in Japan and both countries, um, and probably in China as well, you also get kind of like cultural education of your country as well. Right. And one other thing in Japan is that I wanted to mention, um, I also learned about that while I was studying abroad there. Um, So it's really important, obviously, to get into a good university. I don't, I can't talk about South Korea or China here, but in Japan, um, the situation is like that. So universities are kind of connected to certain companies and in japan it's like you know for example you don't say oh i want to work as a software engineer you say oh i want to work at toshiba or i want to work at toyota or something like that and so you really want to work for a company and those really big companies um like you probably know a lot about uh, a lot of them because they're worldwide like really highly like companies with the very, who are very, which are very prestigious basically right right um and so the top universities the public universities are connected to those companies so for example if you want to work at toyota um it's connected to the university of x i don't know um let's say that's in a university and so if you get into the university of x then it's quite likely for you to get hired by toyota but if you get into the university y the chances are very, very low that you're going to get into Toyota because Toyota usually hires only from University X. So that's also a huge like pressure for students in Japan to get into the university you want to, to get a job that you want to have, you know. Um, so that's also really competitive, I guess. Right. And another thing is that when you don't get into a good public school in Japan, um, there are also private universities but they're usually about five times the price of public universities in terms of tuition fees fees because they don't get funded by the government. So that's also a thing you have to take into consideration that, first of all, when you don't score good on, score good on that test, you probably won't be able to get into your public university of choice, probably won't be able to get your job of choice or work at the company of your choice or your dream company. And second of all, it's going to, be a lot more expensive because the other 
option for getting a good education is going to a private university, which once again is a really good education, but you have to pay so much more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, also like you mentioned before, Japan also has an extremely high suicide rate, uh, rate in teenagers, also due to academic pressure. Yeah, it's really... Huh. Yeah, you picked a heavy really, one. really, really crazy. You kind of picked two heavy in a row here, man. But it's because they're so, like... They have such a high standard of education, you know? Right. And I think everyone has to judge themselves whether they think that's a correct system or not, or whether right. that's a good system. But it can't be denied that they're working, you know? Um, the question is to what cost. Right. And they are on top of the world things, uh, on top of the world ranks. Um, but the next one I'm going to talk about, Finland, is a whole different story. It's it's very, it's a very big contrast. Oh, and one thing I wanted to mention about Japan is what I also found out. Um, so there's this Japanese phrase, which which is shiken uh, jigoku, um, which basically means exam hell, and students oh. use it a lot in Japan. Yep, that's a term referred to it. But now moving on to Finland, it's very different. Okay, once again, the whole story setting. I'm going to start. Oh, okay. Let me, so. I'll close my eyes. <laughs> Here we go. So, you grew up in Finland, where schools value extracurricular choices, uh, intrinsic motivation, and the pursuit of personal interest. Finns believe that the important learning happens outside of the classroom. Your school days in Finland are very short. Actually, they're one of the shortest, shortest school days worldwide. Teachers only teach around 600 hours per year in the classroom, compared to the US, where they spend around 1,100 hours in the classroom, which is nearly double. And Finns use the rest of the time for professional development and feedback and basically just working on their skills. Your teachers have to follow a curriculum but this is only about three to four pages long because the government trusts the teachers to teach. You don't have any homework or standardized exams until you enter high school. And in high school, a third of your subjects are electives and you can choose which matriculation exams you're going to take. The school and your teachers know that children learn differently and at different paces. Um, and it is a very low stress culture in school, which values a variety of learning experiences. So it's all about not being too stressed out. Finland also has the smallest difference between the strongest and weakest students in their class worldwide. Your class usually has about 20 students. And your school sponsors a lot of extracurricular activities where you can take part in. You get taught the two official languages of Swedish and Finnish at school. And even as a small kid, you understand that the very unique language of Finnish is only spoken in your country. There are only Finns in Finland, pretty much, <laughs> which is why you understand that if you ever want to be really successful, you need to learn another language. Therefore, you and a lot of your classmates study another foreign language, like Russian or German. 
there's also of course a strong emphasis on the English language of course. I just quickly making a remark here I thought that was so interesting because it makes sense like they only speak Finnish in Finland, even though Finland is a very developed country. Right. You know, it's only in Finland. And I never thought about the fact that maybe that's one reason why Scandinavian countries are so good at foreign languages, because they kind of have to study it. Because, for example, German, I never thought about it before reading this. But Germany is a huge market. You know, German is a really like well-known language. Right. Of course, English is important, but there's not this pressure to learn a foreign language because German is so well known and if I if I from Austria want to make a big career or have a, have a good career I can go to Germany you know right but yeah that was also I thought really interesting okay so you and every other student get served a warm meal every day in public schools and there are no private schools in your country except for a couple of independent schools like religious schools or schools with a special style of teaching because the Finnish government believes in equality as a governing concept. That was basically like the main facts I found out about Finland and one other thing I wanted to mention in terms of the relation between Finland and South Korea and also Japan and China. So one thing that really stuck out to me is that they value teachers so much like it's such a like it's a career choice to get a teacher and it's really hard to get it to become a teacher in those countries and it's really like you respect teachers so much like mm. you have really deep respect for teachers and what i found out about korea which was so interesting i read that teachers work in rotation in korea and change schools every four years which i oh. thought was so interesting yeah and a similarly, uh, similarly really interesting fact about Finland was that it's harder to get into a master's class in education in Finland than it is to get into medical, medical school. So in both countries, it's really like, if you're a teacher, that's a really, really good job. Damn. I mean, dang. Yeah. <laughs> dang. <laughs> so yeah, really, really different, those two types of systems. I think everyone has to, you know, build their own opinion based off right. that. Um, however, I do want to mention, like, even if those two systems are so different, they're both like top notch systems. The mm -hmm. question is, what do you believe? Which system is is better for? I don't know the people, you know, but both systems, even though they're so completely different, are very effective. Once again, like. Finland has one of the shortest school days worldwide and South Korean students spend like 12 to 16 hours a day at the school you know and right. they're both ranking really highly in the rankings right. based on educational systems yeah I have I have two questions for you mm -hmm. first of all how is um, college in Finland how are Finnish colleges like as far as difficulty and um expectations and things oh, like that i think it's i i didn't find anything on that to be honest mm -hmm. like it didn't it didn't really come across but i'm pretty sure that it's pretty much the same um yeah i think it's just i think the most vital part in all of this is that the kind of the learning culture i guess and just let alone the fact that teachers get like a three to four page um strict like 
rule book and what they have to teach a year you know in a year and the teacher just you know being able to do the rest of it you know and 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 teach what they think is important is so interesting like there's such a big trust in teachers and i think i don't think that universities i i wouldn't think that they're necessarily difficult or easy or stuff like that because obviously like if you talk about Finland, I'm sure a lot of people will say, oh, it's so easy, like they never get homework. They don't really take standardized tests, but it's very effective. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's a question of being easier or hard, but it's very effective. That's right. the thing. Like learning is very effective in Finland. Um, And then my second question is, do you know anything about how clubs work in South Korea in like high school? Let, let's say, because at least from my general knowledge, it's, you know, fairly common, like, Japanese schools really push like being a part of a club mm -hmm. whether that's a sports club or a cultural club or something and it's fairly common for schools to even require that you're a member of at least one school club and then mm -hmm. like seniors will drop out you know of their club activities to focus on studying for entrance exams um do you know like when they stay to in South Korea when they stay until 4 30 is it because their you know classes are ending at two and then they're doing club activities for two hours and then they go to cram school or clubs just not really a a thing you know do you know anything about that i didn't really like the thing is um i kind of had the same sources for finland and south korea just different like parts like i had this one website where they just basically um focused on the education part of every country so i clicked through that so like the layout was quite the same okay got it how i understood it is that there were never really any mentions about South Korea in clubs. Like, they never even mentioned it. And in Japan, obviously, like, it's a huge deal. And also, um, for everyone who doesn't know, like, clubs in Japan, they take up a lot of time. For example, our university clubs, a lot of them were, like, one hour each day. Or, like, sometimes even more than that. Like, it's a really a big time commitment. But in Korea, like, the way I read about it or how I perceived it is... There's not really that much time for clubs because they're focusing so much on studying because that was literally like the time in school. Like the time in school was until around 4.30. And then the after school thing was uh, the, the hack one, I think it was. Yeah. Hack one was literally only for studying for exams. Okay. You know, like it's, it's, it's not any like activity. I think at some point uh, there was something like you can choose like an art focus or like different subject focuses but I don't think it's club like I think it's still studying you know that's mm -hmm. what I got from it it's still all of it is studying in the hack one for example because they literally are after school academies and okay. they do it for studying right it's kind of like the cram schools but I guess they just never mentioned clubs because once again I don't think it would fit in there anywhere you know right right but i might be wrong but that's how i understood it okay. and i read a lot about it okay great um and the last thing i wanted to mention is uh or the two last things i wanted to mention other honorable mentions in terms of um countries that ranked quite high and everything mm. that was um canada denmark russia singapore and what really surprised me in terms of the pisa examination one country that was always extremely high, which you never really saw anywhere else in the top education ranks, but it was very high in the PISA ranking, was Estonia. 
which really surprised me. They were like even higher than South Korea, Japan, and and uh, sometimes even Finland. You know. Right. I wonder if they centralize their curriculum more on taking the PISA or something like that. I don't know. That's of course possible, yeah. but it never came across in terms of like the good education systems. It was just like focusing on data. Right. They were really good at the right. PISA examination. Huh. Interesting. Mm. And the other thing is, um, while I was in Japan, you obviously um, inevitably discuss with other foreign students, other international students, um, about different cultures. And we talked a lot about just America and uh, Austria in terms of also educational systems. And I, we once talked about like private schools or stuff like that. Every time I try to explain our university system, and I. Like once someone asked me, and I had to think really hardly if I know any private university, and there are some, but they're very few. And I stumbled across the number as I was doing research. And Austria has only eight percent private schools, which are mostly religious or a different way of teaching. And I read on there as well, kind of what I always said, but never had like the facts on it, that Austria doesn't really do private schools because the public system is so good that you don't, you, there's no need for a private school because you could go to a public school, which are really good, and a public university. And the private schools are, once again, like mostly re religious or special schools, which is very similar to Finland as well. Right, right. Yep. So I thought that was really interesting. And yeah, that's basically it for my topic today. Wow. I'm really excited to hear what you have to talk about. <laughs> You're going to tell <laughs> us about. It's different. I'll tell you that. Um, oh my god, what is it? <laughs> so this was overachievers, right? So yeah. I'm going to talk about the Lover's Deep submarine in St. Louis, what? Lucia. St. Lucia? We're going to say St. Lucia, which is a Caribbean island. I have still... Well, we're I getting there. We're no getting idea. There. Okay, so essentially, about your topic. <laughs> Lover's Deep submarine is... A submarine hotel that you can rent out for a night, you and your and your partner, you and your lover. It's incredibly expensive, but you get a, a night underneath the sea in this luxury submarine hotel room. And I'll go into what specifically you get to do. Uh, but it's it's over the top. It's one of the most expensive uh, hotel rooms in the world. It's an underwater hotel room, right? It's an right? underwater hotel I, room. It's basically I, an underwater I hotel think... because it's one room. Oh, it's just one room. It's, it's possible that I already saw pictures about this because I feel like it was trending on the internet. Um, it has been for a couple of years. Like I always see like basically rooms underwater. Maybe it's that. Well, Maybe we'll we'll get into it. I Because uh, there's the Lover's Deep submarine, but then there are a number of hotels uh, around the world that have mm. underwater hotel rooms. Um, okay. But Lover's Deep Submarine is a bit unique, and we'll get into why. Um, I have a really bad joke. Okay, lay it on me. I love bad jokes. <laughs> You're talking about overachievers, but isn't it underachievers if it's underwater? Hey! But, um... <laughs> that was good. Actually, they kind of... No, it was really They bad. kind of do it to themselves, because do you know what the Mile High Club is? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. But I don't think our international listeners do. Well, I don't. I honestly don't really either. But my general impression is like, because, you know, if you're staying in like a big, fancy skyscraper hotel, you know, that's really tall. It's like you're a mile high. So you're like, quote, unquote, a mile high club because, you know, you're staying in the really fancy top tier suites in these fancy hotels, right? Olivia. What? I think you're wrong, and I think is it is an airplane thing. Yes, and into a very different direction. Wait, I'm gonna. I don't want to say it if I'm wrong. Just but I'm gonna Google. One of us is gonna be wrong, I guess. Anyway, so. Oh no! I was right. (laughs) I wish so much that I was wrong. It's basically when you have sex in an airplane. That's the Mile oh, High Club. And okay. that's how, that why actually, people talk like, oh, did you ever join the Mile High Club? <laughs> that makes a lot more sense because the whole point that I was getting to is that <laughs> Lover's Deep Submarine is called the Mile Low Club. You, you join the it's Mile so Low funny. Club. You had such innocent, innocent thoughts. Yeah, I did. Well, we already said the word I sex. I was, was going to use a bunch of euphemisms the whole episode, but... <laughs> too late now if, if your kids are listening to this they might want to not listen as much to this part of the episode not gonna lie anyway anyway <laughs> um so just a little background on saint lucia it's a caribbean island it's kind of like in the middle of a triangle that's formed bar- by uh, barbados martinique and saint vincent and the grenadines the mm-hmm. entire island is about 617 square kilometers, which is about 238 square miles. And as of 2010, it had a population of 1,6500 people. So uh, fairly populated, quite, quite popular for, a, uh, for an island. Um, and the Lover's Deep Submarine was created by a travel company called Oliver's Travels, uh, which is British, and it was started in 2004 by Oliver Bell and Ravi Sabwar because they're they're but they're buddies and they stayed at like this crummy no it wasn't a crummy it was like this it was slightly run down but they stayed at this villa for like a weekend with a bunch of their buddies and they had like the best time of their lives so basically they started this business called Oliver's Travels that specializes in unique private villas made for like couples and families to to stay in for a while and you know get a a particularly really really special travel experience right to make a lot of memories there um generally quite expensive but their cheapest ones will run as uh, as low as 49 euros a night which is going to be a little over Mm. like 52 dollars i'd say a night that's Okay, I guess for yeah. a hotel. But that's I mean, I was looking over their website and most of them are are more like a thousand euros or two thousand euros a night. Yeah, that's not okay anymore. <laughs> for my oh, budget. <laughs> After reading the lover's deep prices, uh everything seems cheap now. Anyway, <laughs> um so as far as the Lover's Deep submarine, it was created by Oliver's Travels uh on February fourteenth, twenty fourteen. For members, for members of the quote-unquote Mile Low Club. Um, and it's a luxury submarine that you rent out for a night to have a romantic getaway with your sweetheart. And so you get to choose. And one of the reasons why it's kind of considered so special is because I will say right now there was a lot of mixed... I had a lot of mixed information in a lot of my research 
so mm-hmm. um not I'm not gonna verify that all of this is like 100% accurate there's a lot of gray area but my general impression was they ideally will pick you up at St. Lucia but they will pick you up anywhere in the Caribbean and then you get to more anywhere kind of in the Caribbean so you could go to a coral reef or a sunken shipwreck you know you can get you get to choose where you want the scenery to specifically be that's all included in the hotel room yes yes now, um, would you like to try and guess the pricing first, or would you like oh to God. hear about the amenities and then try and guess the pricing? Mm, finish with the amenities, please. Okay. So, um, first of all, you get, so it's going to be like, let's say it's you and your partner, right? And then there are three other people on the submarine. You get a private chef, a private butler, and the captain, and they all stay They have rooms on the opposite side of the ship. All the rooms are soundproof, so you get total privacy. Um, What the chef, you get to personalize what the chef gives you, but the specialty is that they have an aphrodisiac gourmet meal plan that which features dishes such as oysters, caviar, and a decadent chocolate fondant with essence of pomegranate. But so is it a ship that's moving? Yes. So it's not. Yes, you are set under the place. water. You are under the water. Okay. Fully so submerged. So that's the room. That's the room. Is the in submarine. a ship. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to clarify, aphrodisiac is basically like things that s- turn you on and kind of stimulate you for having really good sex, essentially. Mm, okay. Um, so, and they, they say this as, to ensure that guests are in the mood to make full use of the lover's deep facilities. <laughs> That's how they phrase it. Yeah. <laughs> it also comes with a private bar. Uh, you get a sound system so you can play whatever music you want to play. To again, That's really cool. Get into the mood. And also, the, you get to, before you, before you stay, you get to customize the interior design of the entire um of the entire suite so you know pillows and sheets you can specify if you want really even substantial things like a two-person shower if you want a bigger shower Um, they change it yes they change it for each couple oh my god so given all of that uh in euros how much do you think it is for one night the thing is i know that there are suites out there in hotels which are like Twenty thousand a night. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gonna be a lot. Also with the private chef. Mm-hmm. I'd say I might be too high on that, or I might be too low on, on my estimate. But I would say like fifty thousand, or even. Uh, but otherwise, you can <laughs> change the whole layout of the room. No, I think I'm going to stay with the fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. All right. Fifty thousand yes. euros a night. Yes. Original starting price for one night in this room was 175,000 euros a night. Oh my god. <laughs> and I thought I, 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 I should estimate 100,000 and I was like, no. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yes way. Um, so- but I never, I never would have estimated <laughs> 175. I was, I was contemplating about 100,000, but 175,000 starting point. Oh starting my god. Point. And that was in 2014. Now, I had some confusion because at first when I was looking at at, um, all the different articles about this, usually I saw I saw pricing that was at one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. And then I also saw Mm -hmm. 
$230,000 a night, which are very different Mm -hmm. numbers. Um, And I was really confused as to why. So what I realized is that 175,000 euros as of 2014, like the 2014 currency exchange rates, estimates to about $230,000. So that's where those two numbers were coming from. So let's say, I I don't know what the modern pricing is, if that's changed by 2020, but assuming that the euro starting price is still 175,000 euros, that would be about $196,000 a night in 2020. The US dollar really yes. dropped in. Yeah, wow. it's, a, it's a, the euro is point, is about 93 cents. So 93% of the dollar. Um, euro is, is going strong. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and That's then crazy. obviously, you know the pricing will range a little bit apparently they have multiple packages like the honeymoon package was Mm. um mentioned a few times in the articles i read so what you know what amenities you get and um and what the pricing is will probably depend on if you get a special package or not i guess as well i would imagine that being like the you know like the type of things that are so expensive that it don't even list the price online that's yeah. i think the category i would put this in yes. so it's no wonder that it's difficult to find the prices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and they <laughs> oliver's travels did a really good job of trying to downplay it they were like yeah we know it's <laughs> pricier than some of our other options but uh, <laughs> and we're like a little uh, maybe a bit 49 euros yeah oh my god <laughs> anyway but so obviously if you're uh, if this is what you what you take your your sweetheart on for your honeymoon or for your romantic getaway your anniversary whatever uh i'd say you're an overachiever so that's why i picked it that's wow that's a really good connection <laughs> so much. but i'm not done yet so then for the sake of comparison i was also curious as to some other underwater hotels or underwater mm. hotel rooms and things like that so i'm gonna fill you in on a few other examples Please um, do. So first of all, there's the Manta Resort, which is in Zanzibar. And this is really extra. So I just found on a latitude.com, I found this great description. And there's a lot here. So I'm just going to read off what they put on the website. Mm-hmm. So they describe the Manta Resort with the underwater room. And the underwater room is actually a private three-level floating island in the crystal clear waters of the reef. At sea level, the landing deck contains a comfortable lounge area for relaxing and a bathroom with an open-air shower. Climb the ladder to the top deck for sunbathing and nighttime stargazing. The most magical experience awaits down below, where the bedroom is a glass bubble from which you can watch shoals of tropical reef fish and exotic marine life swimming by. At night, the underwater spotlights beneath each window attract some more unusual and shy marine creatures, with squid, octopus, and Spanish dancers coming to visit and even attaching themselves to the glass panes. All meals are delivered to the room at a prearranged time with, and, uh, and further snacks and delicacies are on board. For daytime adventures, a kayak, snorkel, and fins are provided. Wow. Yes. That sounds so amazing. So much, right? What's the price? Uh, 650 <laughs> euros, which is about $700. What? Yeah. That's a very big difference. Yes. For a three-story room. Yes. Wow. Now I get why you said that everything in relation everything, now seems no, so cheap. Everything's going to sound so low. Like, 
Yeah. If you would have told me 15 minutes ago, like $650 for one night, I would have been like, what? Get lost. And now I'm like, wow, that's so cheap. Wow. That was me this whole time. This whole time, I'm like, that's a real steal. Yeah. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> um, so then we have Atlantis the Palm, which that's what it's called as Atlantis, comma, the Palm, uh, which mm-hmm. is in Dubai. And it has two underwater I know suites about that. called Neptune and Poseidon. I know about that. That's a quite uh, fairly well-known um, hotel, hotel resort um, yeah. in Dubai. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's not a resort. Yeah, it's a hotel um, because my dad is a tourism teacher. So I know a couple of really good hotels. Nice. I don't know that. I'm going to recommend him this episode. Yes, you should. (laughs) Because he's going to be really interested in it. But yeah, that's a well-known hotel. Sorry, keep going. Okay. (laughs) I love that. Um, Okay, so the resort has an aquarium with 65,000 marine Mm. creatures. Um, So obviously the two underwater suites, you know, give you glass access. So... The bedrooms, the lounge, and the bathrooms all have glass um, ceilings and walls. So you're really, like, surrounded by the marine creatures in the aquarium. So imagine it's, like, a tunnel, basically. So it's kind of, like, rounded. That was my general impression, Mm -hmm. at least. So you really just, like, imagine just laying on your bed, and you're just looking up, and you just see all these fish swimming around you. Crazy. Um, Mm. Also comes with a butler. And complimentary massages. Oh. Yeah. A lot of butlers. A lot of butlers being provided <laughs> here. Um, and then you, there's also a spa. You can swim with dolphins or you can feed sharks. Like, those are all options. And starting price is $2,500 a night, which estimates to about mm. 2,315 euros a night. Yeah, that's a bit higher. Yeah, <laughs> bit, bit pricier. Higher bit pricier. price point. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and now next I have Hilton's Conrad Bengali Island Resort, which is in the Maldives. Oh, Hilton. Yes. Um, this was advertised... Now, this is called the Maraca, and it was advertised as the world's first underwater villa because it can sleep up to nine people. Oh, wow. Yes. So it's also two floors, and it comes with a gym, 24-hour butler service and security, uh, two living rooms, a deck, and a bar, and uh, it's really close to the underwater restaurant that is also there. That sounds so cool, an underwater restaurant. Yes. And that was advertised as a first of its kind, was like the underwater restaurant. Mm. Again, that was something that I kind of was up in the air. Is like, is the underwater villa what's the first of its kind? Or is mm. the underwater restaurant the first of its kind? That was a little uh, gray. Also, you know, you were talking about uh, ones that are so expensive that they don't even list the price. <laughs> That's this boy. Yeah. I could not find a oh. price. <laughs> I really couldn't. Uh, well, it's up to our imagination, but I imagine it being quite high. Yes, very, very, quite very pricey. High. Not quite lovers deep high, but think like <laughs> the only number I saw was twenty two thousand dollars, and that doesn't seem right to me. Um, yeah. Which is why I kept looking, but I didn't see anything else to verify that. But point is, it's a, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's for overachievers it's only. <laughs> it's for over. <laughs> that should be the label. That should be their marketing strategy for overachievers only. only. That's not elitist at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Um, and then to get some some different kind of uh, angles in there, there's the Utter Inn, U-T-T-E-R, Utter Inn Hotel, uh, which is in Switzerland. And at first, it literally looks just like this small, traditionally Swedish house, more like a hut, just like a red little hut sitting Swedish on a house concrete in slab in the middle of a lake. Mm-hmm. So you just imagine that, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to, you get a boat out to this, out to this little hut, and then it leads to a bedroom about three, about uh, 10 feet or three meters deep. And you get, like, two-bedroom, and there's no electricity, but you get, like, a little kitchen for cooking and things like that. Oh, but how do you get light in there if there's no electricity? Um, I think it was gas. Oh, okay. Natural gas mm, or something. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was only $250 a night, which is about 230 oh, wow. euros. Yeah. The first thing you said when you mentioned Switzerland, I was about to say, Olivia, Switzerland is a landlocked country. I'm really excited what you're going to tell me about how in the sea of Switzerland, there's, there's a hotel. In the sea of Switzerland, I mean, I've already <laughs> proven my ignorance, at least a few times no. on this podcast, so we not be no. surprised. It makes sense. But it was so funny because the, the, the couple of um, hotels you mentioned before were all like in the sea yeah. or in an aquarium, to be fair. That's why I was so excited to hear what you had to say about Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. Well, so that, that's obviously a bit different. It gives you that similar mm-hmm. type of experience, but uh, less pricey. But still 250 a night, which normally if I heard that, I'd be like, ah, no way. But compared to like everything else, it's so cheap. <laughs> it sounds a bit less lux- luxurious, you know? Yes, for sure. It definitely is. It's a, a lot more, more about the adventure and a lot less about the luxury mm-hmm. of it which uh carries on into our next one which is jules undersea lounge in key largo florida and mm. that's named after the famous adventure novelist jules fern who wrote things like around the world in 80 days and Ten Thousand leagues under oh. the sea that's all jules jules fern um and it was named after him and it's the world's oldest underwater hotel Oh, wow. Yes. So, Do you know how old it is? You know, I'm I'm looking at my notes here, and I failed to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to put a pin in that for just a little bit here. Um, <laughs> so this one really uh, is heavy on the adventure aspect, because you have to scuba dive 21 feet. So that's 6.4 meters. No. You have to scuba dive 6.4 meters to reach the, the lounge, the, the hotel room i think i think you need a license to uh, to scuba dive yes right? you do <laughs> oh my god so yeah um also the my favorite thing is that you can also like obviously you can bring your own food i guess or cook for yourself or you can order a chef and the chef is a trained scuba diver who will scuba dive down <laughs> to cook for you <laughs> Oh my god. And I just love, like, obviously he won't look like this, but I'm just imagining just, like, a mustached man with a big chef hat (laughs) just, like, swimming in the deep sea. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, And that is $675 a night, which is about 625 euros. Plus the, 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 the amount of money you need for getting a scuba diving license. <laughs> right. And the chef would be extra as well. Oh, wow. 
Wow, so many different yes. underwater hotels. So there are a lot. But there are more than I thought. Yes, yes. And I mean, this isn't even all of them. There's one in Singapore and a few others. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's hmm. a fair amount. But uh, none I will ever stay in in my entire life, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you turn out to be an overachiever, Olivia. Don't underestimate yourself. I know. I was raised to be an overachiever, but I'm not sure I'm going to reach that that level. <laughs> Financially You never speaking. know. It's true. Believe you never know. Believe in your dreams. Life, uh, life throws you weird curveballs. Let's be honest, though. If I, uh, if I get that much money, I'm going to be spending it on travel, not the hotel room. Yeah, that's what I wanted to mention. Like... If I ever get rich, I can't imagine myself staying in a hotel for 175,000 euro a night. No. Like, I, I grew up diff like too differently to do that, to spend that amount of money for anything, you know, yeah. besides a house. <laughs> yeah. I can see, obviously not that much money, but like, the only thing I can see is like on my honeymoon or something, where you just want to like mm, lay yeah. low, you know, and spend time with your hubby then like i can see just putting money in a really nice luxury hotel somewhere and uh and wanting to chillax but other than that i feel like i'd really want to just focus on getting out of the hotel you know definitely um, yeah but i guess it, I get it also ha that says a lot about my preferences and vacation because um, i know <laughs> a lot of people are not like that but yeah mm. so that's it that was it for me was uh Super bougie, expensive underwater <laughs> travel. I imagined all of it, and now I want to be by the sea. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty neat. You gotta... Unfortunately, I think um, another kind of similar to the fact that some of these hotel rooms don't advertise their pricing, uh, the pictures tend to be quite limited as well. They really, oh. they really have a few key, you know, advertised images that they'll use for marketing purposes. So you'll just see the same pictures mm. over and over and over again. Um, well, you gotta go there and see yourself. I think I that's guess. the marketing strategy. Yeah, so if I had to guess, I know. But then it's like, I don't know. Do rich people just not post things on the internet? I guess and there's no blog yeah, post about true. like, oh. Hello, I'm... <laughs> Maybe it's just hard to find, you know? Yeah, it's very possible. Because if you don't tag a location or stuff like that, it can be hard to find a specific find post or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was really interesting. Thank you so much for researching that, Olivia. Well, thank you for researching your topic. We are of enlightening each other's lives once again. You with useful information, <laughs> me with not so useful information. But you always pick out, like, how can I put it? The most, like, I, I still to this date, I have no idea how you come up with your topic. Like, it's <laughs> such a, I think it's such a like deep part of the internet which i've never been to and i'm so intrigued to learn about all of your topics and just like every time you mention a topic i'm like i never even remotely thought about that and i'm so excited to hear about it no believe me i have friends who go into the deep internet and show me some <laughs> this is not deep internet man the deep internet is a dark dark <laughs> place much like the sea it is a place without light full <laughs> 
Well, anyway, I'm really happy that we always teach each other about such different things. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point, right? That's why we thought we'd yeah, it is. do this full together. Okay, we should probably stop patting, patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> So, uh, moving on to our listeners, if you ever have like any ideas we could talk about or we should talk about, or any requests, recommendations, um, critique, corrections, um, any anything, you can reach us on Twitter uh, with the handle at aircastlespod, or on our email address, which is aircastlespodcast at gmail.com. We're always available to contact. Yeah. And I guess we're moving on to our German, German clothing segment, right? Yeah. Hmm, German with Joanna. So, the phrase I picked today has something to do with my topic, uh, which is studying. And the f- German phrase is probieren geht über studieren. And it basically means it's a saying. And it basically means trying over studying in terms of trying is more effective than studying it's more like the practical hands-on experience is better than just studying and memorizing stuff like that's the essence of the saying and probieren is basically trying geht über over studieren studying yeah oh dear you know every time i'm like oh maybe you know this time it'll be it'll be doable and (laughs) i can see my growth and then you say like that first word and i'm like oh Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, let's try a joint okay. effort, Olivia. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, probieren. Probieren? I don't know how to make Pro. that. P. A P R. Probieren. Pro. Oh, okay. Yes. Pro. Probieren. 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 Geht über. Geht über. Studieren. Studieren. Yes. Probieren geht über studieren. I can't, I don't have like that guttural like, poch. <laughs> <laughs> the deep voices Wait, of the, the German word, language. Say the first word again. Probieren. 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 Geht. Geht über. Geht über. Studieren. Studieren. Yes. Probieren geht über studieren. Probieren geht über studieren. Yes. Something like that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I have just a random fun fact about the world, uh, world, word about the word studieren, um, uh, which I came across just basically talking to my English friends, um, (laughs) English speaking French, native English speakers. Studieren is a word that doesn't exist in English, I think. It translates to studying, um, but we use studieren in a sense that, first of all, studieren, yeah, kind of like to study something, but it's not as commonly used for that. The main reason why we use studieren is basically it means I'm studying at university right now. So like studying is kind of reserved for the university part of studying. So when you say in German, I can say Ich studiere, which means I study. And just those two words mean I'm studying at university right now. Okay. Like you couldn't, if I say ich studiere, there's, it's out of the question that I'm at school right now. It, it. it definitely means I'm at university. Okay. So like in 
in English, I would say something like, oh, I study English at, uh, at my college, right? It would yeah. be the closest equivalent to using studieren. Studieren? Studieren, yes. Studieren. Because in English, you always say, like, you you know, you can say, I study this or that. Right, like, I studied vocab I, last night, or um, yeah, I studied and, my but history. But it can also be at school, you know, it could also be at high school. But if you say, ich studiere, I study, because you can say, oh, I studied last night. Um, or, yeah, but basically, every time you say, ich studiere, it, it refers to university. So what do you say if you're studying? So let's say I was studying for a college level, like my my college biology class. Would I still, it's, if I was saying I studied vocab for that college class, would I use studieren? It's, no, it's not. Okay. Studieren is literally specifically for, studieren also means kind of like really intensely studying. For example, when I for this topic today. So learning is lernen. And you basically always use learning, lernen, for okay. everything that you remember. Like, ich lerne in der Schule. I learn at school, like, or study at school, but we use lernen. Um, and you also do lernen in university. But if you say studying, it either um, describes the notion of being in university and studying just in general just in general, studying at university. Or it can mean, I studied a topic, ich habe ein Thema studiert, which means I thoroughly read into that topic. I literally studied it. Ich habe studiert. For example, for this topic today, I had with my education thing. I looked so much into it that I know so much about it now that I can say, ich habe das Thema studiert. I studied the topic. Okay. It's kind of that use. Got it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of complicated but I thought it's, it's so interesting because like you can never say ich studiere I study in English without specifying on right. studying in a university right yeah interesting I guess that's it for today right very nice yeah that is <laughs> weird perfect then I thank you all for listening once again I hope we could enlighten you in some aspects some random facts about the world <laughs> And yeah, hope to see you or not hear from you, but hope to <laughs> have you hear us soon. <laughs> and in this case, tschüss und bis bald. Man, it's it's so hot in my room here right now. Oh man. Spring is coming. <laughs> Spring is coming. And then you talked about the sea and I was like, damn it, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs>